All right, well, today we're in week six of our dating series. You're thinking, how long are we going to go? This one and next week, and then we'll be done, okay? So, our first session, we introduced the topic of dating. So, what did we learn? That was a long time ago. What? What? Let's go. Okay, what, what was that? Somebody speak loudly and clearly. Session one, what's important to know about dating? Right out of the gate. Bible doesn't mention it. Bible doesn't really talk about it. It doesn't prescribe a method of dating. So what does that imply? Yeah, it doesn't see it as its own distinct category. Like you're not single and then dating in God's eyes and then married. You're just either single or married. So it implies a lot of things. Okay, It implies that we shouldn't make one method the, the standard method, right? Courting, dating, whatever else, arranged marriages. Um, my personal favorite for my daughters. <laughs> um, they're still young enough where I can, I can say that, right, Mary? Hey, what's the cutoff point? When do I have to stop saying that? At five? Okay, i got a couple more years. <laughs> Great. All right. What's that? Yeah, three is pretty, three, uh, I've already, yeah, one of them's already three, so... Uh, <laughs> Would not be good. All right, so it doesn't command any one particular way, but the Bible does give us wisdom. It's sufficient for all stages of life, including this phase we're calling dating. So we've encouraged you to think about dating as basically, okay, since there's no, there's no really category for this, then dating, whatever we call this process in between singleness and marriage, it's, it's to lead, it's got its, its goal as marriage, or like we've said, a testing companionship for marriage, Right? So that was session number two. We looked at the goal of dating, or the purpose of dating. We want God to be glorified. That's our main goal. He would be pleased. So whether we end up together, we break up, we want God to be pleased in that. And we want to test companionship to see if this person that we're dating, see if we're, we're a good fit for them, and they're a good fit for us. All right? So in our, our third, fourth, and fifth sessions, we looked at the topic of preparing to date. So what, what goes into that? We were just talking about before you jump into dating, um, you should consider that if you would be a wise choice uh, for someone to date. Okay? Are you marryable? Um, would this be wise for someone to enter into a relationship with you first? And it kind of functioned as a, a both end. You, know, you look first at yourself and then also um, as you survey the landscape, uh, the kind of people that would be wise choices um, to date. All right? So today we're going to finally get to what you would naturally think of in a dating series, okay? What we're calling the process of dating. The process of dating. I don't know if I, yeah, I've got this up here. And we're going to do this this week and next week, because I anticipate we're not going to finish this, uh, because we have a lot of things to talk about. And and Mary asked me if I was excited uh, last night to teach this, and I said no, Um. (laughs) <laughs> and the reason is because it feels like we're on shaky ground here because refer back to session number one, right? Like there's no prescribed method uh, in Scripture. So um, it, isn't, it doesn't give us any one way to do it. But I think the Bible is, is actually obviously very wise in, how, in its approach because some of this stuff is just sort of culturally appropriated. So there, if you went back 100 years in America, there would be a different way to do it than how we do it currently today. 
If you go to India, there's a different way to do it than how it's done here. So again, it, the Bible is wise in its flexibility to, to apply these principles. But in our culture, in, specifically in our subculture, uh, a relationship typically progresses in stages, right? It typically progresses in stages. So I want to just describe those stages to you today and offer some wisdom in those stages. Okay? Does that make sense? And the stages are, I'll just give them to you up front, uh, friendship, right? A dating, the dating process usually, not always, but it usually develops out of a pre-existing friendship, healthy friendship. Again, just keep in mind, these are just some artificial categories that um, they're, they're descriptive. I'm not saying you have to be friends first, but usually that's how it happens, friendship. Number two, out of this friendship then blossoms interest. So we'll call the second, second stage an, an interest stage, kind of gauging interest. And then once it's established that the feeling's mutual, okay, right? You're interested, I'm interested. Um, there's an exclusivity stage. Some form of, of ex- exclusivity occurs. People usually call it something, right? Dating, courting, friendship, intentional friendship. I don't know what, you, what, what, what they say today. I don't know. Boyfriend, girlfriend, what? Somebody said something. Talking, talking. That would be more like, uh, that would be more like stage two, right? In my, my category. Talking would be stage two. You're trying to figure out, okay, are we, are we interested? Um, anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Whatever. All right. So that's third stage, exclusivity. Fifth, uh, fourth stage, so don't want to skip this one, <laughs> engagement. All right, if all goes well, this, this turns into a typically engagement where lots of things can be planned. And, and, um, and if there's no major red flags, then holy matrimony. Number five, marriage. Okay, so friendship. Number one, interest. Number two, exclusivity. Number three, number four, engagement. Number five, marriage. All right, so this is not rocket science. This is typically the way a, a, a marriage ends up. That's how you get there, right? These are the stages. So let's take each one of these and, and try to work through some wisdom in each one of them. All right, stage one, we're just calling friendship. So... It's important we start here because throughout the New Testament, men and women who are not biologically related are called what in Christ? Brothers and sisters in Christ. That's right. We're spoken of in familial terms, and that's because we're all spiritually related as Christians. So Paul told Timothy this in 1 Timothy 5. I have that up there? Yeah, First Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Paul told Timothy that he should treat older men as fathers, younger, uh, older women as mothers, younger men as brothers, and younger women as sisters. Just one example of many that we could have pointed to to show that, that we're, we envision these relationships within the body as family. And this then implies, if we're family that you should be cultivating sincere relationships with your single brothers and sisters in Christ because they are your spiritual siblings. All right, and you do this, you ready for it? Whether you're romantically interested or not. 
Because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're going to caveat that in a minute. Okay? But that's, that's the issue. He doesn't say, Timothy, don't relate to the younger women. Timothy's single. These younger women are single. But he says, relate to them as sisters. In all purity. So, practically, this means that I would just say avoid the extremes in our relationships among singles in in the church. Avoid the extremes. Both of them are unhelpful. Okay? One extreme is a sort of overly flirtatious person. And the other extreme, the other ditch, is like complete avoidance. Right? So avoid, avoid those extremes in our interactions. Okay, flirting, you know, usually is, is so that we can test the waters, uh, you know, just kind of see if someone's interested or let someone know that you're interested without having to kind of be overt about it. So it's not that that's like, I can't point and say that's inherently wrong, but I just don't think that's always helpful, um, especially with the guy toward the young lady. We'll talk about that in a minute. So that's kind of the flirting extreme. But the other extreme, which I see more often, especially here, is the complete avoidance. (laughs) And that's usually a reaction to the other extreme, right? You don't want to be flirty, and so you're not going to even talk to people. You're not going to even talk to people of the opposite sex. You're going to cloister, but you're never going to get married if you don't talk to the opposite sex. That's just... Play principle 101. (laughs) So you need to learn to talk to one another and not just assume that because you talk to one another, you're interested. Okay? The basis for this, the, the biblical basis, is the brother and sister in Christ. You should strive to relate to other singles sincerely as spiritual siblings. All right? So here's a few examples of healthy faith, healthy uh, kind of familial love. Brothers and sisters in Christ should treat one another with concern and care. That just means we shouldn't be aloof to the needs and desires of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we shouldn't just assume that someone's interested in us if they're following up and asking about those those needs. It may indicate that, but again, we don't know that. So treat one another with care and concern. We would treat one another with with interest and knowledge. That means you're not just going to be disinterested in people because you don't like them. or You're not interested in a romantic relationship with them. Obviously, you'll be very interested if you do want a romantic relationship. And that's good. So, ask questions. Get to know them. But I'm just saying, don't just just show interest in people just because you, you like them. Okay? Treat one another with interest and knowledge. All right? You would encourage each other to grow spiritually as a family member, a spiritual family member. So you'd be having conversations about what you're learning in, in the truth and, and uh, you're just helping each other grow. That's completely normal in the church. All right? You would treat each other with sincere love. So I have that down? Yep. Treat each other with sincere Love, and you would, that means you would seek what's best for the other. You seek what's best for the other. And you would obviously, this is, this is obvious, but you would treat each other with purity. P- 
purity. And that's really what Paul draws out for Timothy in that text. Treat the younger women as sisters with all purity. So that means then you would seek to guard and promote the other's godly reputation. You want to guard that, promote it, enhance it. You don't want to detract from that in the body. So this probably goes without saying, but um, this is not, it's just kind of anecdotal, but the the church is a great place to make these friendships, right? Uh, The local church, my point. I know many of you are at Liberty. Uh, you have friends at Liberty, that's great. Don't, not detracting from that. Uh, those are important things. But the church is a great place where you can get to know people, have those friendships. Obviously, we're commanded to do that anyway. Um, it's not the only way to do it, but why not check first in your local church um, to see if, to, to get, begin building these friendships. Begin observing each other kind of in this, in this setting. Because in the church, we, we're committed to membership, so we're already committed to each other. Uh, we're not just Christian acquaintances at Liberty or in the workplace. Um, ideally, we know that because we've been, become members, we believe the same things doctrinally, or we're pretty close. Um, there's also built-in opportunities to serve together and attend corporate worship together. Just all these, all these ways you can begin to interact with the opposite sex. And as you serve together and grow together, you kind of get a front row seat without having to be in a dating relationship to observe that, right? Um, so again, I'm not saying it has to work that way, but I'm just saying that's a, that's a, great, that's a great option. just want to point that out. All right. So however the friendship starts, singles will inevitably at some point find desires for something more than a friendship, especially as, that, as there's a, kind of an attraction budding. So let me, let me caveat this first point here before we transition. All right, so we should be relating to each other as spiritual siblings, but we should avoid the myth that we can be best friends with the opposite sex for very long. Okay? Now, I didn't say we shouldn't be brothers and sisters. I'm saying this sort of best friend idea with the opposite sex. God has designed men and women to be companions. They're different, they work together, and so if you're going to be, you know, best friends with somebody, I can pretty much guarantee you that over time, one or the other are going to develop feelings and interests and desire to be with that person, okay? You may deny it, um, may say, well, never, and that's, that's never going to be us, but there will be that attraction developing. So, I just want to alert you to the fact of like, okay, when you have, when you're thinking about friendships, you're not thinking, okay, these deep friendships... You're just thinking these, you know, these biblical friendships kind of keep it within these categories, all right? Because when you get married, you're not going to be cultivating these deep friendships with, with people of the opposite sex. That's just not the, that's not the way it works. All right, does that make sense? Any questions on that before we move forward? Totally. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying you don't have deep friendships in, within marriage. You do, totally do, with other, with other couples and things. You just have to be careful. Um, you have to be careful. And so especially as you're thinking about um, scenarios where you're, you know, you're in the workplace and you're, you're working with people that are not your spouse, um, you just have to, you, there's a certain measure of that that you, know, you, have to, you have to work for them and with them, and so you're going to have to work together. But you just have to guard your heart in those, those scenarios. All right, 
so that's friendship, stage one, kind of pretty obvious. So at some point, you know, someone that you've met and you become interested and you want to pursue it further. All right, so we're calling this second stage uh, exploring interest. So you're interested, you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of interested, you've been talking with this person, they pique your interest, and you would like to, like to move the dial. So what do you do? Well, if you have the green light, right? Remember, if, you're, if people in your life aren't screaming, no, stop, like work on these issues first, please, for the sake of this person that you're about to date. Okay, if you've got the green light, how you proceed depends on what gender you are. Okay? All right, guys. Since part of the role of the husband is to initiate, he leads, you should have the courage to put yourself out there first and express interest clearly. Okay? And I get it. There's pitfalls everywhere, right? But you should have the courage to do this so that means you shouldn't flirt with her to try to get her to show you if she's interested before you make your move. That's self-preserving. All right, trust the Lord. Put yourself out there. Clearly express interest and see if she reciprocates it. All right? Now, ladies, when this happens, please give him an honest answer. If you're not sure, you need to think about it, say something like this. I'm not sure. I need to think about it. (laughs) It's that easy. Okay? And please, if you know you're not interested, please do the bros a favor. Spare that young man and tell him clearly, even if it's awkward. And do not blame the Holy Spirit Gosh, if you've done that, you can repent. All right? There's nothing worse than being like, hey, I'm not interested in you, and the Holy Spirit doesn't like you either. <laughs> All right, Rich is going to follow this series up on biblical decision-making. So we're going we're gonna to talk through that for the next several weeks after we're done with this series. Because, man, yeah, the Spirit told me to break up with you. It's like, whew. Okay, I mean, there may have been legitimate reasons to break up, biblical reasons to break up, but you made that decision, okay? And stand by it. All right, don't try to let him down easy, ladies. Or worse, don't ignore him and hope he gets the hint. Tell him. This will be part of his growth, right? He's He's not fragile, even though he may appear to be. He will grow. All right? Don't, don't self-preserve, ladies. Don't try to just kind of uh, sort of let him down easy, you know, those kinds of things. Keep in mind that you're not agreeing to marry the guy, all right, if he comes up and he asks you on a, on a date or he asks you to kind of get to know you. If you agree to go out with him, you're not just automatically signing up for a life of matrimony. It's just a date, Okay? It's the very beginnings of exploring this, this relationship. Something more than a friendship could be there. And guys, remember, if she agrees to go out with you, <laughs> she's not agreeing to marry you. Okay, So, uh, just again, just laying all this out there. So let's think this through. 
All right, I want to hear from you. Why are guys hesitant to initiate? Are, are guys hesitant to initiate? I don't make any assumptions. What do you think? Yeah? Okay. Why? Fear. <laughs> We're afraid. We're afraid. That's why. Yeah. All right. Why are you afraid of rejection? Okay. That person must be undesirable. Yes, yeah, just kind of fear of how maybe other people will perceive you. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll perceive you as even better because you, you stuck your neck out there. You showed some courage, all right, versus the other guys <laughs> who are knocking their knees together, all right? Yeah, you should be thinking instead of, oh, I wonder how my friends are going to perceive me as, hey, I'm actually being able to grow. This is a growth opportunity for me to become more like Jesus and more decisive, more clear, um, more followable later. Uh, in my life, right? Being able to bear up underneath that embarrassment and keep moving forward for the glory of God. That's a man, all right? Okay, so we got some fear of rejection. What else? What if I make the wrong choice? (laughs) All right, refer back to what we just said. You're not married yet. You got time, bro. You got time. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There, there, is a, there is some of that. What if I made the wrong choice? And underneath that, let's talk, guys. There is pride that says, I deserve only the best. Yeah? I deserve only the best. And what if there's someone better out there? What if there's someone that could meet my needs better? We got to unearth that for what it is. Okay? You might be passing over all these godly young ladies that you would be just absolutely blessed to go on a date with and get married to because you're holding out for this sort of ultimate satisfaction to all of, all of your deepest longings. Um, so, don't do that. That's pride. Okay? That's pride. And that never, ever gets discussed. It's always like, oh, we're fear of, fear of rejection. Okay, Maybe. But there's probably a lot of pride lurking under there, too. So let's just be honest about that. All right? Ladies, why are, why are you, why, what's, what's going on on your front? All right? What's the, what's the hold up here? The guys aren't asking us. That's the hold. No, I'm just kidding. What do you think? What's the biggest obstacle to this, making this connection happen? Yeah. Anybody, any lady ever been there? Did everybody hear what she said? You didn't see it coming. You got blindsided by your friend. Now he wants to date you. You were not ready for that. So, you know what you can say? I don't know. This caught me by surprise. Let me think about it, right? 
And then think about it. Let it settle, preferably away from his presence. And then, yeah, get back to him. Give him an honest answer. Yeah, I think being caught off guard is, is yeah, definitely, uh, it definitely happens, right? And that shouldn't, don't, don't let that be a deterrent uh, to something. Yeah. Go ahead. Being unsure of his true intentions. What do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. How how might you find that out? Yeah. <laughs> Got some smart dudes in here. Yeah. So I mean, you could go on a date, or you could just, or you could just be around them more, right? You know, I, I don't think you have to just go on dates and agree to dating them. You could put yourself around them more and just say, "Hey, I don't know you very well." Before we go on dates, I'd like to just hang out and just get to know you a little bit better at that level. Um, again, but again, the same is true. You're not, you're not agreeing to marry the guy just because you go out on a date with him or you're talking or whatever you guys call that. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I th- yeah, I mean, within reason, because I think that can just be another smokescreen for fear. You just you go around to talk to everybody because you want to make sure that you guarantee that this person is not going to hurt you. And again, you might get hurt. That's the risk of a relationship. But guess what? God's sovereign in our hurts, isn't he? So again, we need to trust the Lord in this whole process. And that's kind of the, the baseline. You want to trust him and trust yourself to him and trust yourself to him during the process as well. All right. And ladies, if you're, if you're kind of just dying to know if somebody in here is, is interested in you, What's the benefits of doing it in the church? Come talk to us. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a pastor being discreet and, uh, and just trying to help you feel the waters. Maybe give the nice, you know, to the young men. I can do that. Yeah, it works. All right, let's move forward. I don't think I've ever done that in a sermon. I think it just pulled my leg out. All right. Okay, as you begin spending time together, let me give you one more bit of advice. And this is, this is you know, this is the big one. Enjoy the process. Okay? Enjoy the process. Don't get wrapped up in whether you think you should marry this person after the first date. Now, I say that because you are serious-minded people. You hear, you come here, you hear me teach, and then you go hear an exposition, and then you come on Thursdays and listen to me teach for an hour and 20 minutes. Like, you guys want the scriptures, you're serious, you're... You... And that can really put a lot of weight on a fledgling dating relationship. Okay? So, get to know the other person well. Ask good questions, listen well, and just have fun. Okay? Obviously, God glorifying, pleasing the Lord, all that stuff. But just like, just get to know them as another image bearer. Figure out what makes them tick and, and 
just have some fun together before you're, you're constantly evaluating if this, is, if this could be the one that you could marry. I mean, obviously that's going to be on your mind, and I'm not saying you're not going to think about that. But just try, to, just try to defer that a bit, all right? Questions about this stage? Stage two, exploring interest. All right, great. You have no questions. We'll move forward. All right, number three. This starts going well. Oh, man. Here's some subpoints here if you want to. Three little sub subpoints there. I mean, it's really pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm hesitant to, like, weigh in here. I mean, I, ideally, the guy initiates, right? Um, but, yeah, put you, you got to put yourself out there, okay? you got to put yourself around him. You can't just give the vibe that you're not interested and hope that he thinks you're interested. <laughs> Which is very common, okay? I hope he asked me out. I mean, that's not going to work, okay? So let's just loosen up, go talk to him. That's great, all right? If you're a little too forward, it's okay. It'll work out, all right? Or it won't work out, and then you'll be better for it. Okay, good question. Yeah. Uh, don't complicate it. I don't know. Um, let's move to the next stage. Maybe that'll answer your question. All right, stage three, exclusivity. All right? Ah, this is why I don't like teaching this. Because it, it becomes robotic. This is a relationship, okay? Relationships are like little plants. They, there's a little seed. It germinates. It starts growing. But I'm just trying to, I'm trying to classify the stages for you. What? You don't overwater it, you drown the plant and kill it. Yeah, but you need, it needs water, needs nutrients, needs sunshine. All right, let's stop the analogy. All right, exclusivity. All right, stage three. After you've gone out a few times, you know, you're, you're, you both are into it. That's, that's key. All right, you both are into it. You want to keep spending time together. You should probably at some point, kind of close the loop and kind of acknowledge that that's the case. All right? And that's what I'm calling exclusivity. So maybe from the talking to like, hey, yeah, this is something we really want to do. The major change in this stage is you go from saying, okay, my options are kind of open, like there's really no commitment, to now I'm I'm shutting those options out and I'm going to focus exclusively on you. And... And again, we don't have chapter and verse on these things, but I think that's a loving thing to do. That's how you would want to be treated. You wouldn't want someone to be kind of looking over here while he's dating you or while she's dating you and just kind of wondering, is there somebody better going to pop along? If, if you, you, know, you say yes, then let, let the date, you, you kind of want to engage the dating relationship on its own terms, right, without, without getting confused by looking, looking at the grass is greener potentially. All right. 
So I think that's, I think that's the most loving thing to do. So what are your goals in this stage? You know, so obviously this is kind of what we think of when we're talking about dating. So we talked about the goals in the previous, previous lesson, but basically you're still testing companionship. More specifically, you're going to continue building on the, the friendship as you grow in the knowledge of each other, as you build trust, as you serve together in the church. Right, so you're gonna, let's look, it's going to look like spending a lot of time together. It's going to look like talking a lot. It's going to look like serving together. Eventually meet families, right? You, you inter, interact with each other's friend groups. And then you're, you're looking, you know, eventually you're going to start looking at, hey, is this, is this going well? Are we serving Christ together? Is she beneficial to me in my relationship with Christ? Am I benefiting her in her relationship with Christ? You know, ladies, are you enhancing his, his leadership? Is it, you know, is this, does this seem to work? That's the testing companionship idea. So there's a, there's a major temptation that, that comes here, and the temptation in the dating phase, this exclusive phase, is to play marriage. Okay? I think I've got some things here. Yeah, goals continue to build a friendship. Beware of playing marriage. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you're tempted now in this stage to assume that God sees the two of you differently because you're dating, because something has happened. And in one sense, there is a legitimate difference from your status before. Okay, you're romantically interested, and the feeling is reciprocated. Now you've increased the commitment level, and that's very exciting. So I'm not saying nothing's di- nothing different has happened. It has. But in God's eyes, you are still very much single. And so, because we deeply desire the benefits of marriage, there's temptation to play marriage before you're actually married. And this is a dangerous and deceitful path, so we have to be on guard against this. And in reality, I'm calling it playing marriage because that's kind of what it, it looks like, and we kind of can see that in maybe some friends and people at, at, on campus. But it's always out there, right? We never do that. Um, but it's actually a form of idolizing marriage. Marriage is a good thing. When it becomes a, the ultimate thing, we're going to sin to get marriage, and we're going to sin if we don't have marriage. And so this playing marriage in a dating relationship is saying, I want to get some of the benefits of marriage before the commitments of marriage are there, before God's given it to me. So how are we tempted to do this? What are some ways that we're tempted to do this? And I'm just going to give you a few. Obviously, all of them need to come with caveats because not, it doesn't mean that you're inherently idolizing marriage if you're doing this. But just think through some of these, okay? Do I have these up here? Yeah. So when you spend all your free time with the other person to the detriment of other responsibilities that the Lord has given you. So I think I put it up here. Neglecting other responsibilities. So all your time then becomes engulfed in the relationship and you're not being faithful in your church. You're not being faithful in school. You're not being faithful at home. You're not being faithful in your work and other friendships, your family relationships. It's sort of like this thing has taken over, and this is all you're going you're gonna to think about. Now, let me immediately caveat this by saying if you're interested in someone, then it does need to be, kind of be like the top priority, okay, in a lot of ways, not above Christ, but I'm saying this, this person needs to know their priority, and you want to spend time with them, and so all I'm saying is if you sort of, if all your time is sucked up into this person, and now you're, you're failing your classes, you know, you haven't called your parents in a year. You know, it's just like, okay, 
this is not good. That might be a sign that, you, that you're idolizing marriage or you're, you're playing marriage, all right? Because you're not married yet. You will be spending a lot of time together when you're married, all right? The next one, another way we do this, is being unreserved in your communication. So in marriage, there's typically nothing held back um, in, in the communication. This is the one flesh union, Genesis 2.24. But when you date, you're not there yet. Not everything is appropriate to share, especially not at the beginning. Okay, there's things, relationships take time to grow, and trust takes time to develop and build. And as commitment increases, and trust has been established, then you can start talking about those kind of heavier things, the things that are, that are weighty, once the relationship has the strength to kind of bear some of that stuff. Now again, I didn't give you any principles on when do you talk about what, okay? But just know this kind of off the top, that if you're automatically unfiltering your communication because they're your girlfriend or your boyfriend, that's, that's a gift in marriage. All right, so just be careful there. All right, another one would be planning your future married life together before engagement. Okay, you begin to fantasize together about where you're going to live. You might start ordering things for your wedding before you have any firm commitments that this is going to happen. And now, understand, caveat, Okay, there's some ex- always extenuating circumstances with these kinds of things. You know, you, you know you're going to get married, but there's a logistical reason you can't get engaged yet. You know, I, I get it. Um, it's going to be short engagement, so you're going to have to get things ahead of time. But all I'm saying is this sort of fantasizing about our married lives together before there's any real firm commitments that that's going to happen. Okay? That could be a sign that you're playing marriage. And then obviously, number four, becoming increasingly physical. As commitment grows, so does the desire to become physically intimate. And in one sense, this is how God designed the relationships to work. Okay? It's how he designed it to work. The more we grow together spiritually as spouses, the more we romantically desire one another. But again, we've got to come back to the truth that God sees you in this stage as fundamentally single, even though the relationship is growing toward marriage. So physical intimacy is such an important topic that we need to take some additional time and kind of flesh this out. All right, so let me go to a different screen here. I think. Nope. Uh, Hang on. There we go. Let's think through physical intimacy real quick. And then again, if, if we need to come back to it, it's 10.07, so we've got a, just like five minutes here. Um, so let's just sketch this out real quick, and maybe we can come back to it uh, next week. So at the outset, it's vital to remember some general principles about physical intimacy. All right, Number one, it's a good thing. It's created by God. Genesis 2.25, it is a very good thing. In other words, the desire for sex is not inherently evil. I think there's a temptation to think that way as a single person, like, oh, I have these desires, therefore they're evil. Um, They may be, often are, and that's lust, you know, which we call it that. But just the fact that we have these sexual impulses is not inherently evil. Sexual fidelity in marriage is described as a blessing from God. It's full of joy and delight. It's thoroughly encouraged. Proverbs 5, 1 Corinthians 7, Ecclesiastes 9. Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, is an entire book of the Bible dedicated to the joys of marriage, and, and it, which includes the sexual intimacy. 
So it's a good thing, and we've got to start there. But, like any good thing, sinful people are deceived and they worship it. We often begin to worship physical intimacy because we reject the Creator and we think, you know, we know what's best, that we lust for these things, and we want to be sort of physically gratified. And this, it's not that the human heart is any different today than it has been over the last 8,000 years or however long we've been in existence. But we live in a unique culture that puts your identity, it aligns your identity with your sexual desires. And it basically says you are free to express those and that makes you a true person. That is a radical shift in world history. Um, that we're living with that kind of radical emotivism, expressivism, whatever you want, whatever ism you want to put on there. So my point is your, your heart's not any worse than anybody that's ever lived, but you live in an environment, in an era, that is constantly tempting you to gratify these desires and encouraging it, telling you to this is your identity. Um, that's a whole other topic. But the, all, all that's happening here is when a good desire in our hearts quickly turns into a demand, it becomes sinful. It becomes a lustful craving. Instead of trusting God and seeking gratification of that desire in the way that He intends, which is through marriage, we want to begin gratifying it now through dating. Whether we crave the gratification of the sexual impulse, that's typically the guy's temptation, or we crave the gratification of an insecurity, a perceived need to feel loved and cherished physically, that's typically the girl's temptation, we're still overreaching in both of those, both of those categories. I call it the, the, the take moment of Genesis 3. We're taking what doesn't belong to us. We reach out and take it. One pastor put it like this. He said, and this is a really helpful quote, he said, intimacy is the reward, the fruit of commitment. It's not the means of achieving it. Intimacy is the reward of commitment, not the means of achieving it. Intimacy thrives inside commitment and is destructive without it. So, man, one of the fundamental lies that dating couples are tempted to believe is that physical intimacy is good for the relationship. Put differently, we, we often think things like this. Can our relationship be healthy if we are not intimate? And what we don't realize, however, is that pushing physical boundaries runs the risk of damaging future intimacy. How's that? How's up? How is that? Well, true God-glorifying intimacy, that develops from trust. Okay? That develops like out of, out of trust. But trust is jeopardized when we defraud each other through sexual immorality. So instead of damaging future intimacy, we want to maximize it as God intends. Another general principle here. I'll just put it this way, and we'll, we'll I think... Yeah, we'll end here, and we'll pick it back up next week. 
A desire for intimacy should create zeal for marriage and being marryable. So, in 1 Corinthians 7, this is such a helpful text on this. The answer to your desire for intimacy is not to try to go find it online, digitally, um, to have it with yourself in private, to experience it with a, a dating partner who's not your wife or husband. This desire is, should be a motivation for you toward marriage, toward being marryable, being ready, getting after it, right? And cultivating those, those qualities and those, those, uh, those character traits. And I think the, the practicality of 1 Corinthians 7 here, I'll just read it. He says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. He's quoting them. That's what they said. It's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But, he said, because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Now, this is coming from the same guy that talks about the beauty of singleness. Okay? Each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, as the, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by an agreement for a limited time. He's talking about having sexual, relation, sexual relations. Don't deprive one another except by, perhaps by an agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So Paul is a realist in the church. And there's obviously other passages we could go to. There's the beauty of marriage, the beauty of marriage relationship, the, you know, everything it's about. But here he's saying... Look, you have these desires, and you're tempted toward lack of self-control in these desires. So the, what you should do about that is you should get married. Is that fair? And when you're married, you shouldn't deprive each other of this, because this is a means of your sanctification, because of your lack of self-control. And so sometimes people are always asking me, Clay, Clay why are you pushing marriage so much? You know, What about singleness? What about this? What about that? Because I'm saying, you, you're already hormonal, right? You already have these desires and these urges. I'm counseling people all the time on these issues. And, but we delay maturity. We delay marriage, which is the God-given help to these desires. And so my point here, and where we're going to end right now, there's a lot of practical things we're going to talk about next time. But this desire for intimacy, this should create zeal for marriage and being marryable. We shouldn't take that off-road of the path of destruction to try to experience all of that beforehand, right? Does that make sense? All right, any questions on that? We'll cover more of it later. Let's, let's, let's close it up right now, and then we'll talk about it again next week, okay? We're just kind of getting, getting started on this. Father, thank you for these principles Thank you for the sweet gift of marriage and dating and uh, for thank you for all that you teach us in this phase, whether we um, it ends in marriage or it ends in a breakup. Lord, you are all over that and you have good purposes in it and we're thankful 
for, um, for just how you're at work. I pray that you would um, just impress these truths on our hearts and whatever the, the men and the women here need to hear, that you would uh, leave them just with a lasting impression uh, from today. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.